0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney.
1: Today's conversation, we'll just dive right into the text themselves, because it's a conversation about the Zmanim, the times that are associated with doing different mitzvot, and how loose or how tight the bounds are around those times and the conversation that happened over the expanse of rabbinic time, even just looking at the Bible itself, looking at the Torah, the Hebrew Bible itself, and looking to the Mishnah and looking to the Talmud over the course of those hundreds and hundreds of years, what happened to the idea of timeliness of doing a mitzvah and what that does to connect to Pesach. So I want to start with verse 2 of the 6th chapter, where we started Parshat Sav. You can turn back to 613 in in, um, the Eitz Chaim, if that's what you had out in front of you, or you can look at the source sheet. Maybe there's somebody who's with us on Zoom who would like to read that verse either in the Hebrew or in the English, because we'll look at it in the English either way, so Go for it. Is there somebody who'd like to? You just unmute and share. Sure, I'll read. Great. Go for it. Tz'av
0: et aharon v'at b'nav leimor, Zot Torah Hi ha'ola al mokda al ha'mizbeach kol a'layla at a'boker, Ve'esh ha'mizbeach tukad bo. Commend Aaron and his sons thus. This is the ritual of the burnt offering. The burnt offering itself shall remain where it burned upon the altar all night until morning,
1: while the fire on the altar is kept going on it. Great, Uh, thank you so much, Joanna. And there's a lot that has to do with timing uh, in this verse. There's a lot we can pick apart in this verse, right? Um, First of all, I want us to uh, kind of take a look at that wor- word Torah Ta'ola, that phrase Torah Ta'ola. It's really interesting how in Vayikra we get this idea of the Torah, the ritual as it's translated, but how there can be a Torah of an idea, a Torah of an offering, right? Torah Olah. It's a smichud. It's a now, in describing another noun, it's the ritual around this ola, around an offering. That's kind of interesting. In any case, I want us to look at the timeliness of this. So first of all, this idea that this mokdah, this burnt offering, is supposed to remain al ha on the altar, kol ha all night long, ad ha until the morning time, veishamizbeach chukadbo. So it's kept going. It's, it's stoked on it. It's kept going on the altar all night. So this idea of something that's kept going the entire night is kind of an um, it's an interesting idea that gets broken down over different rabbinic tractates. And maybe you do and maybe you don't have an idea of what it means for a day to be broken down into different rabbinic time categories into Zamanim and fixed times. But here, we don't have specific times, um, certainly in the Torah text itself. Um, But you might expect that the rabbinic response to this in the first layer of rabbinic conversation would be, well, exactly what you know, exactly when does that time frame start and exactly when does that time frame end, right? Well, when when does that time, you know, when does nightfall start and right, odd bokeh. well then, till when in the morning, right? Rabbis love time zoniness and, and kind of, adding to the borders of time. But that's not exactly what happens. So the first layer of rabbinic conversation that gets recorded is either the Mishnah or the Tosefta, which are probably parallel-ish documents, depending on which scholar you ask. Both of them get codified sometime around the year 200 of the Common Era. And I want us to look at this Mishnah, which somehow wound up on the source sheet twice. So twice as good. It is a good Mishnah. Um, From the second part of uh, Mishnah Megillah, Don't get confused with a Megillah. It's Mishnah Megillah, um, Megillah two, part six of that of that chapter. Um, Would somebody like to read it in the Hebrew or the English? Again, equally good because we're going to look at it together in the English. Either way, Marshall, go
2: for it.
1: Great. Marshall, without looking at the English for a minute, would you like to venture a translation of Marshall's liking to that? Because I, you're welcome not to, but I'm thinking maybe you might want to offer one.
2: Okay. So the entire evening, it is fit for Cutting the omer, that is a barley grain, mm-hmm. and for hectare. I know the ketorah means like a, um, uh, like spice, uh, not spices, but uh, uh, incense. Yes. Uh, and halavim are halav, I guess that's fat. Mm-hmm.
1: And, exactly.
2: And are, are limbs.
1: Exactly.
2: Okay, zehakla, this is a general principle. Ah uh, a thing for which the mitzvah perform it is during the day. it is cashier it is proper to do it the entire day. Laila, the thing for which it's it is commanded is to be done at night. It is fit to do it the entire evening
1: okay, so a thing that that the mitzvah to do that thing is commanded to do it sometime during the day, you can do it. It's kosher to do it sometime in the daytime. And a thing where you're commanded to do it sometime at night, you can do it sometime at night. Let me ask you a question. Does this jive for you? Does this fit for you within the construct of rabbinic Judaism so far as you are familiar with rabbinic Judaism as it's practiced? Feel free to respond to that however that fits for you, however that lands on you. This is Gary. I, I, usually there's specific
2: commandments. You have to do it by a certain time. It's not a wishy-washy type of thing where you can do it whenever you feel
1: like it. hmm Okay. So it's one much more uh, um, flexible. Flexible. Sure. It, se- it does seem rather flexible. Good. Marshall? Oh, hang on. You're, you're muted, Marshall. I'm only
2: reminded of the first mission in Masechet, uh, Brachot, where I, I forgot the name of the rabbi, but his sons were out partying one evening and they didn't get home until very, very late. And uh, he said that you can have recite the Shema until Amud HaShachar, until the dawn breaks. So apparently, while it's a good idea to do something at a, at a proper time, kasher, you can still push the boundaries of that until later.
1: That's fantastic. Hold that thought. And I want us to to kind of hold on to the ta'am, to the flavor of this word kasher, exactly as Marshall described it in that verse. I like it exactly as you are holding on to it. Like It's kosher to do it at that time, but is that really when we want to do it? I don't know. Okay, so then there's another layer. There's a next layer, in addition to some commentaries, obviously, that come along in addition to the Mishnah. The next layer, the next major layer of rabbinic conversation comes with the Talmud, right? That's an, it gets codified as an oral uh compendium in the year 600 of the Common Era, 400 years later. And we have another chance for the rabbis to refine this a little bit more exactly. Okay. I would prefer, since it's rather long, well, we have the time. This is kind of fun. Let's go through it. Will someone read it for us in the English? Because I, while it is much more concise in the Hebrew, I think we'll get the point across in the English much better. Will someone else, maybe someone who hasn't read yet, read it for us in the English? And please note that anything that is unbolded in the English is not actually in the text. It's the bold. That's the translation of the text itself. It can be someone who already read if you want to. Anybody can read it in English. If not, I'm going to read it. Oh, go for (laughs) it, Joanna. Although it is preferable
0: to fulfill a particular day's mitzvah at the earliest possible hour,
1: the entire day is a valid time for reading the Megillah, for reciting... Uh, Pause there for one second, Joanna. You're doing great. I just want to say Also, talk away, in addition to Marshall's thing, talk away that first line that although it's preferable to fulfill a particular day's meat spot at the earliest possible hour, I want you to talk away that line that I told you is not in the actual text. And I promise you, before we end this study, I'll come back to it. Okay? I promise you. So, Joanna just told us that the entire day is valid for the time of the reading of the Megillah, which Definitely not on brand for the rabbis, but we are actually in Masahit Megillah. So good for them and good for us. Please keep going after that. Okay.
0: Also, for reciting Halal, for sounding the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, for taking the lulav and the other species on Sukkot, for the additional prayer recited on Shabbat and other occasions, and for the additional offering sacrificed in the temple on these occasions. And the entire day is also a valid time for the confession over the bulls brought by the Sanhedrin or by the high priest to atone for mistakes they had made in their instruction to the people, For the declaration made on the last day of Passover in the fourth and seventh year of the sabbatical cycle, stating that one's obligations with with regard to tithes has been properly fulfilled. And for the confession of sins made by the high priest on Yom Kippur over the special offerings brought on that day. The entire day is also a valid time for placing hands on the head of an offering for slaughtering an offering for waving those offerings that require waving in the temple for bringing meal offerings near to the altar for scooping out a fistful of flour from a meal offering in order to burn it on the altar, and for burning the fistful of flour on the altar, for pinching the necks of turtle doves and young pigeons sacrificed as offerings in the temple, and for receiving the blood of an offering in a vessel, and for sprinkling blood on the altar and on the curtain, separating between the holy and the holy of holies, and the entire day is also a valid time for giving a woman suspected by her husband of having been unfaithful sota, to drink from the bitter waters for breaking the neck of the heifer as part of the procedure followed when a corpse is found outside a town and it is not known who caused his death and for all the steps in the purification process of the leper correspondingly all the mitzvot that must be performed at night may be performed any time during the night. The entire night is a valid time for reaping the omer of barley on the night following the first day of Passover, for burning the fats of offerings that had been brought during the preceding day, and for burning the limbs of burnt offerings. This is the principle. Something that is a mitzvah to perform during the day is valid if performed any time during the entire day. Something that is a mitzvah to perform at night is valid if performed any time during the entire night.
1: Okay, thank you for reading that. I think it's fun to hear because, well, gee, welcome to Vayikra. That's, you know, this is definitely the territory that we're in, pinching the turtle doves necks. That's... That's the territory we're in. Um, and I, I want to point out several things. If we had enough time, and we certainly don't, we'd be playful with conversation around this. And I'd ask you lots of questions about it. Instead, I'm going to teach it to you. I hope that's OK. I'm going to teach you a few things about this text. What I want to point out to you, Oh, hello, Oscar, the cat. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, the cat's joining the Chavruta, our, our group Chavruta. Um, yeah. What I want to point out are what haven't changed and what have changed and expanded, okay? What have not changed are the... What hasn't changed is the claw, right? We have, two, we, have, we have two examples of a claw here, a general principle. The general principle that all mitzvot that are designated for daytime can be done anytime during the day. All mitzvot that are designated for nighttime can be done at nighttime. Has that changed? Nope. It's stuck, right? Secondly, the exact list of what can be performed at nighttime has not changed. It's the same as what Marshall read us as the list from the Mishnah. But the list of what can be performed during the daytime, not only has it not been curtailed, it's been expanded wildly and specifically, right? Which makes me think of two things. The first is Not only were the rabbis not uncomfortable with the idea of having an expansive time to make it kosher for uh, us to be able to do mitzvah during the daytime, they also possibly wanted us to understand that there are specific things that we could do during the daytime, a specific list to make us question and continue to have a conversation whether things that are missing from that list might not be kosher to do all during the day. Whenever you have an expansive list, again, this would have been fun to play out in conversation, but we're running short on time and there's more to teach here. So I want to just point this out. Whenever you have an expansive list, I'm sure there's probably a great legal general principle for this, but whenever you spell something out in great detail and make a long explicit list, you are making space for somebody to ask the question, what's missing from that list? And is it is it deliberately missing from that list? We've done that with kashrut. For the things for which we have in the Torah explicit list of uh, permis- permissive and um, permissive animals in that category, we presume that the animals missing from those categories are not permitted. Right. So, I want us to to think about that even as we go forward and talk about the expansiveness of this category, the short category of the nighttime. Right. So take a look at the next two texts and we're going to learn them in reverse. Next two texts on the source sheet. We're first going to look at Megillah 21a, which is a piece of the Talmud. Sorry, I just inverted them on the source sheet. It meant us to continue looking at the Talmud for a moment. I want us to look at the Devar Shemitzvato balayla kasher kohalayla. Okay, it keeps looking at it. It asks this wonderful question, and we're going to look for the answer back in a commentary on the Mishnah in a moment, okay so we're going to continue now in the Talmud this later- this this later compendium that we were just looking at, and the and it, uh it's pointing out that the Mishnah concluded with this claw with this general principle about nighttime mitzvot. mitzvah toba a thing that its mitzvah applies as a nighttime thing, uh, as, as something that we should do at nighttime. It's kosher to do it all, all night long. my mai, what does this principle come to add? Why would you bother coming to add this principle that hasn't already been mentioned explicitly? It's the same question that I'm asking, like what, what's there, what is it there to teach us and teach us explicitly? and i think i found the answer back in a bartonora which is a commentary in a commentary by bartonora a Bartanora. that's a wine a great delicious wine uh, but i meant a commentary by bartonora on mishnah Megillah 26 going back in time okay so pop your eyes back in time uh, and back one source um, on achilat pasachim shekasher ko halayla okay we're going to um, look at the English of this. That's the Hebrew. To include the eating of the Passover sacrifice. This is the answer to this question, which is valid all night long. And the sages did not say until midnight other than in order to distance a person from sin. So they're answering a question that I am now Going in reverse to design a question around this whole shior and say, why do we need specific times? Wouldn't it be so much more comfortable if we just had a system that was based on these laws, these principles, that we could just do things all day and just do things all night? Wouldn't it be so much more comfortable if we weren't limiting people? And I think that there are two reasons. The first is this one that Bartonora mentions. It's to be a fence it's to prevent people from accidentally transgressing and not taking care of business before a full day passes, before the full time passes. So Barg is commenting here to say it's distancing a person et ha'adam min to distance a person from sin. A really good example of this, really good example of this, is the 18 minutes before Shabbat and the 42 minutes afterwards. Right. What are those times except a bubble to create space around the 24 hours of Shabbat to be certain that we're not transgressing the bubble of Shabbat. But there's another reason. Remember what I said about Joanna's comment on. um, No, not Joanna's comment on Joanna's reading. I commented. Joanna was reading for us the beginning of Megillah 20b and she read this commentary on the translation, right? This insertion on the translation that said, although it's preferable to fulfill a particular day's mitzvah at the earliest possible hour. Aha. So look at this last source that I brought us really quickly. Okay. And it's a source on Hanukkah. Okay. And I'm just going to teach it to you. I'm not going to read you the source, but I brought you the source and I want you to take a peek at it. If you have it in front of you. Can read it, read it for just a moment. Take a look at it. It has to do with the opinion that you don't need to rekindle the nair Hanukkah if it's extinguished, and it teaches all about this idea about when the Hanukkah candle needs to be lit. Ad she regal min until until the last uh, leg lifts from the marketplace, because the whole concept of Hanukkah, of lighting the candles at Hanukkah. I promise this is related. I promise I'm gonna rope you in here. Stick with me. The whole purpose of Hanukkah is pursuing Nisa. It's publicizing the miracle. So the reason that we have to put it in the window sometime before Ajitle Regal Minhashuk until the last leg lifts from the marketplace and in Pico Robertson, I guess that could be maybe two AM, right? Depends on where you live in Manhattan, it could be all night. Is because you've got to be able to have somebody looking at the Hanukkah, the menorah that you put in your window. So why do it as early as possible? Why do it right when this mind comes along? Because of this idea of Zoriz la mitzvah, that you want to show that you're eager to do the mitzvah. The example that I want to offer you is the concept that some people don't even break their fast from Yom Kippur before they nail the first stud into their sukkah, the next holiday that's coming. We want to demonstrate an eagerness to get to the next mitzvah. It's not only that we don't want to transgress, that's the far end of kosher. The near end of kosher is we really want to demonstrate our eagerness to get to that next mitzvah, right? It's the opposite of the end of the story that Marshall was telling. That's important too. We wanna make sure that we make space for people who um, are almost to the space of tashlum, of having to do a makeup, right? That's important. We need the tashlum end of Judaism, but we want to start by by invoking an eagerness in people. and, And that's a really important piece of what we want to teach too. So that's why zaman, and there is a real kash route to this idea. I remember my grandfather who um, zufonoli brachah he lived till almost 103, and he used to say, "I don't know what's with all these money. We would just look up in the sky, like we don't we didn't have like books to tell us the exact times of when we would. You know, today our shabbat bulletin told us 7:43 is when havdale is. That you know, that's that's wonderful that we can just Google these things now and and tell us that um, precision though. It has its value. It has its value in distancing us from transgression for those for whom that strikes something profound. And it has its value in invoking a sense of eagerness to get to the mitzvah as soon as we possibly can